Welcome to the Zach Peters Podcast. I am Zach. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you know that it's been a pretty long time since I've posted anything, shared anything. Sorry about that. I'll try to get more consistent in the future. I will say that I've had this written and studied and sort of prepared for a while. I just needed to find some time to sit down and talk about it and to sort of share my notes. And we're going to talk about really the first lie, the first lie, the first experience humanity has dealing with temptation. And of course, you know, story of Adam and Eve partially and their failure. But I think it's relevant to today because we are presented this exact same lie very often today in this culture, this society, in North America, in Western society in particular. Maybe it's not this way in every country or every place, but right now I feel like the first lie the enemy told is the same lie that is being shared right now, and the consequences are pretty much the same. So let's read the scripture, and then we'll talk about the scripture, and and we might throw in a few more other scriptures. But I want to talk about this. It's in Genesis. You can go uh, find it whenever you uh, have some time here. But it's, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, and pay attention to this, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of that tree, which is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was delightful for the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Of course, the rest of the, the scripture goes on uh, to explain that God came down and, and God knew that they had made some failures and mistakes and they, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and basically set us on our path towards uh, Jesus Christ and redemption and one day everything will be made right again, perfectly one day. But, but it all comes from this first lie the enemy told and the belief of that lie of Eve and 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 you know Adam is I don't want to just single out Eve she's Adam was there it says so it's on Adam as much as it is on Eve here but the enemy the devil satan whatever you want to call him because he's real is crafty and he does not like you he does not like who you what you represent the freedom that you have the love that you have from God uh it's completely against everything that he is and he is jealous of you and he hates God and so he hates you. And he will use anything to create a barrier between you and God, between you and the person who made you, because he knows if he can separate you from God, you will die, you will suffer. And it, it, it is exactly the opposite of what God wants. And so he wants to do that. And he can use small things, as simple as uh, losing, uh, as simple as a fruit, or he can use significant things like losing a job, losing a loved one. He, he plays on your natural weaknesses because hopefully you're aware that you have some natural weaknesses in your life. 
but also he'll use your overconfidence in your strengths. So he's got basically the board in front of him. He's got tools at his disposal and his entire existence is based around separating you from God. And knowing this, knowing that someone is actively looking to ruin your life can be a heavy burden. It can make you feel a little hopeless if you're really thinking about it. It can sort of be like parents who can't enjoy watching their kids play because they're always waiting on them to do something dangerous, right? We all know those parents. I'm a parent. I have those moments where I have to step back and realize, like, it's okay if they fall. It's okay if they, you know, get a little banged up. It's part of life. Don't let it ruin the experience of having kids and watching them play and grow and learn. One scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, be sober-minded, so be clear thinking, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. So it can overwhelm you, that thought can overwhelm you, but half the battle is simply having a clear mind to understand that things are going to come against you. Being aware is more than half the battle. When you know there is danger to look for, that awareness is enough for you to step over the lies, to avoid the lies, to know that there are going to be temptations, and to keep your eyes open. When I hike, I know there's a chance I could run into a snake or to a bear. Do I not go hiking because of that? Do I stop hiking? Or, or, or do, I, do I let the potential presence of danger and issues ruin what could be a wonderful journey? No. I keep going. I keep a watchful eye for those things, and I go around the danger, or I, I turn back and go a different direction. It's the same with life. Don't stop moving forward because of fear. Don't walk in absolute terror. Just be watchful with your eyes open and take appropriate actions whenever you see danger. In the scripture, in the scripture, there is a question of the truthfulness, the usefulness, and the worthiness of God's word for Eve's life. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, but this is the first lie that we're talking about. This is the first attack of the enemy, and he still uses this same temptation, this same lie on us, just like he used in the scripture with Eve. And the lie still opens the door for so much damage in our lives today, just like it did for Adam and Eve a long time ago. Some other things I see in the scripture. We throw away truth for delights and for desires. Let me say that again. We will throw away truth for delights and desires. Eve knew God's instructions about the fruit, but decided to believe something contrary to those instructions. She created justifications to explain her contrary behavior. Listen, I love, and I've done this before, but... In my experience as a pastor, I, I have people come to me sometimes. I love when people ask for advice. They don't like the advice that you give them, and so they move on to someone else until they hear what they want to hear. It doesn't matter if you gave them great advice, the right advice, good wisdom. Uh, they're looking for validation. They're looking for something to, to sort of say yes to what they want to do. They're not looking for truth. We've all done this at some, uh, at some point in our lives in some way. I knew a guy... Uh, without giving too many details, he had a wife and he had a girlfriend. And not surprisingly, this stressed him out and created some problems for his life. And uh, there were several times when I know that he came and asked for prayer for these issues, and he wanted to know what to do. Well, it sort of obvious to the pastoral staff and, and the people who prayed for him what he should do. And, and they talked to, to him about this process of, 
of uh, sort of getting rid of the girlfriend and asking for repentance. And the guy came back several times, ignored the advice seemingly, and uh, didn't do the right thing. God's word was clear. Wisdom was clear. Common sense was clear, and it would have helped him, but he ignored it and somehow in his mind justified his harmful actions in his head, and it didn't end well. It boiled over into some very, very uncomfortable and damaging situations in his life because he had ignored truth and he ignored God's word and sort of created his own justifications for what he was doing. I understand that there are addictions and I understand that there are mental blocks that happen. But in God, in Christ, there is freedom. You can't give up. You can't give up. So while I understand that some people do have impulse control. Some people do have very real uh, addictions, which are very much biological and, and chemistry inside your body. Those things can be fought. Those things can be healed. Those things can be repaired and fixed. But a lot of times, we don't want that. So the story about this guy and his wife and his girlfriend is an extreme example, but we all have this ability to reason our way into a bad choice. We make choices based on what we feel and what we see. We know we should eat that entire cake, but if no one's eating it, it's going to go to waste, and we'll make it up later. You know, we'll do better another day. So we eat the whole cake. We eat the whole bag of chips, and we promise ourselves that next time we'll do better and we'll make it up. Eve heard some things that she liked. Open up her eyes. Uh, be like God. Have real knowledge. And then, then she saw that the fruit was good. In fact, it was delightful. And so despite clear instructions not to eat it, she ate it because all of that seemed to justify her going against God's word. And after all, it didn't seem so bad when she looked at it and when she considered it. And the result of that lie and the belief in that lie is a life of guilt and shame and trying to cover that guilt and shame up with different things. So yeah, Adam and Eve now had a brand new knowledge, uh, but their eyes were definitely open and they realized that something wasn't right. They were naked. Something had changed. And so they scrambled to put together something to cover themselves up because they realized that they were naked for the first times and, and, and they're shamed and there's this guilt and, and there's this brand new feeling of not being up, up to it, uh, up to snuff, right? That's Adam and Eve. That's their experience. They, they go against God's word they do the opposite of what they know to be right. They believe the lie that God's word doesn't matter and isn't relevant. And it leads them to a place where they have to scramble to cover up. And we do the same thing. Sometimes we cover up with virtue signaling. Well, I do this. I do that. I would never do this. I can't believe that person said that. We cover up with good deeds. We cover up with um, using unhealthy coping techniques with addictions and substances that they help numb the feelings of barrenness and exposure uh, that we so often have. We cover up with money, talent, uh, a thriving social life. We cover up with lies and education. And there are cultural norms that we create that make us feel a little bit better and that we decide we want to believe. Everyone believes like this. Everyone does this. So it can't really be that bad. We create narratives that turn our own guilt, guilty conscious into someone else's fault. Sometimes, not always, we call that church hurt. Can I go ahead and tell you that sometimes your church hurt isn't the fault of anyone else except your own? Stop blaming other people for your failures, your problems, your bad attitudes, and your immaturity. 
This is the story of Adam and Eve's failure and their belief in a lie that led them to shame and pain and failure. But can I tell you something? We suffer the same defeats all the time because the enemy still uses this lie, the first lie, all the time in our lives right now. The first lie the enemy used that moved us away from a relationship with God was to question the accuracy and the relevance of God's word. Once you believe God's word is not accurate or not relevant to your life, you move away from what you were intended to be, who you were made to be, created to be, which means you are moving away from being healthy, moving away from being whole, and then you are forced to construct a reality based on lies, based on ideas that have no real foundation outside of of culture and other random things we pick up along the way. And that's not a way to live. It's not a permanent, secure way to do things. There's no lasting peace in creating a life where all the parts are made up and put together without any instruction, any help, and and any sort of connection to reality from the Creator. The Word of God matters to your life, not just because it is like an IKEA instruction manual, thank God, but it is life-giving pillars of truth that enables you to build your life into how God intended you to build your life. They're broad structures, broad concepts and ideas, and sometimes specific ideas that help structure your life in a way that is the most healthy way to do life. So instead of letting your life be dictated by education or culture or social media, your life is first dictated by does it fit into God's word? Let's read two scriptures that build on this idea that God, God's word matters for your life today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All scripture, so all God's word, is God-breathed, God-inspired, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, and to lead us into all truth, but we only know that the Holy Spirit is there because God's Word tells us that. Throw aside Scripture, and we lose the voice of God in our life that helps us grow, that helps us change, that helps us correct, that helps us know how to do things. And let me tell you, we need the voice of God in our life exclusively because there's lots of other voices that just won't be quiet. They won't shut up, and they're saying all sorts of things that may have some truth in them or may not. And the enemy is always talking. He's always using these things. Other people are always talking. The culture is talking. Education is talking. Social media is talking. The news is talking. But the most stable voice that you have available to you to hear is the Word of God, and you need to hear it. You need to have it. You will not be able to be who God made you to be if your life is built on listening to other voices that aren't funneled through the lens of the Word of God. What is your framework for constructing your life? When you build a home, they are undeniable principles that guide you through constructing a safe and secure home. Really, it boils down to the physics is what we're talking about. There are physics, laws of physics, that sort of help dictate what does it mean to build something securely that can withstand time and, and other forces that keep you safe. Now, you can get creative around those pillars. You can get creative around those laws and those concepts, 
But at the, at the end of the day, you've got to have those tried and true basics that will make sure the house doesn't collapse in on you when a little wind blows or whenever you're walking across the floor, you don't fall through because you didn't put the, the floor joists in correctly. There are principles of, of, of construction that you cannot ignore. Same goes for your life in general. Is your idea of a good life based on some cultural principles or some ideas gleaned from your favorite Insta story or Facebook group or from some people that that you see? And, And sometimes those are fine areas to get ideas from, but they better be filtered through the scripture, through God's word to ensure that they fit in with the building blocks of a good life that God's word solely provides right? Outside of God's word, you might find yourself in trouble when a storm comes. So what we glean from society, what, what, what society has to offer us, what culture has to offer us, what science has to offer us, is only useful for our lives if it fits through the lens, fits through the filter of God's word first. Psalms 119, very great scripture. And I was originally just going to read like one verse of this, but it's such a good verse. I decided to read, I'm going to read all of it and talk about it here. But it starts with, your word is a lamp to my feet. So it's a lamp to my feet and a light to guide my path. So God's words are the, those little reflective services uh, on the roads and on road signs that keep you in your lane and keep you from crashing into oncoming traffic, rolling into the woods and the trees. Uh, Like I said, I was going to stop at verse 105, but let's keep going. It says, verse 106, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. I'm struggling. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Give me life according to your word. In God's word, there is life, a unique, blessed, and powerful life. And when you step out of God's word and you try to do things on your own, you are setting yourself up to live in the designs of the enemy. And and those designs are for you to suffer. So I'm afflicted whenever I do things on my own. So I'm going to cherish your word and cherish your ways, God. Help me pull myself out of this mess. Verse 108 Accept my free will offering of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life, uh, I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Give me your ways, God. Let me remember your ways. God's word brings joy that is not dependent upon circumstances. It is really easy to be happy when you win the lottery. It's really easy to be happy whenever everything is going your way. But what about the 99.999% of other times you aren't hitting the jackpot? Do you have contentment? Do you have hope? Is Is your joy connected to something that really matters or is it connected to things that are transient? I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Bend your life to his word. Bend your will to his will because the alternative is brokenness, it's dread, it's endless working, it's forever trying to find a find your way, never ending attempts to cover up your figurative nakedness 
don't let the enemy make you take for granted that we have God's living word available to us to listen and to hear and to cherish and to place in our hearts to guide our paths. Let's, let's end this with sort of two practical things I think we've got to work on. I've got to work on. Number one, we need to fight the urge to justify our bad behavior. Don't be the person that moves from belief to belief, looking for things that most aligns with how you feel right now. That won't work because your feelings are not God. Your feelings will change depending on a thousand different circumstances. To bend life to how you feel distorts the way life was actually designed to work. Now, what will help you avoid this is being a part of a church. Having quality friends will go a long way to help battle staying attached to God's word and not being full of yourself and full of your own ways. A good community around you will hold you accountable to the standards that God's word sets before us. So find some people that can call out your mess. Find some people who aren't just saying, yeah, go be you. Go find your joy. Your story matters because the reality is your story only matters because God wants it to. Your truth is not your truth. Your truth is encapsulated in a larger story being played out, and it needs to have the right relationship to the real truth for it to really matter. Secondly, we need to keep God's word in our life. We have to let it be loud in our life. We, we have to read scripture. We've got to try to memorize some of it. I'm terrible at memorization. We've got to try sometimes. You've got to write down your thoughts about scripture. You've got to write down your questions about scripture because I don't understand everything I read. I don't have clarity on everything, but that's okay. That's a part of the process. Doing all of this will ingrain God's word into your life. And while there will still be moments where you want to completely forget the right thing to do, you want to completely ignore God's word, it becomes a lot more difficult to do that when you actively have God's word at work in your heart and in your mind at all times. Don't let the enemy lie to you. God's word matters. Sometimes it might not make any sense in the moment of why you should do something this way. Why can't I have this fruit? It looks so good. I want to eat it. If I eat it, it will open up so many opportunities that I have right now. But we know God's word is there for a reason. He's speaking to us, and so many times we're listening to so many other voices that tells us this is how life is supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. But the reality is we've got God's word, and it is perfect for our lives because he made us. Listen to his word. Love his word. Hold his word. And let your life be full of brand new joy, brand new blessings, and blessings and joy even whenever it doesn't seem like you should have blessings and joy. I love you guys. I hope this, uh, I don't know, I hope this brings you some encouragement. But I'll see you next time.